Welcome back to the Bug in a Rug podcast. As always, my name's Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today, I just want to give a fair warning. I know we've done it before, but warning up top, if you hear any hissing or any... Scritchy scratches. Scritchy scratches or extra cat fights. Surprise, we got a kitten. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Don't tell our landlord. (laughs) Please don't tell our landlord. (laughs) It's fine, it's fine. We won't tell her if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, But the cats are are getting used to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, We now have three cats in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. And about 32 plants. And a fish. And a fish. And two human gwarls. Humans. Humans. <laughs> You're exactly right. And Absolutely one right. John Cena cardboard cutouts. Yes. He's keeping the peace. Three bookshelves and <laughs> one dining room table. All right, I think that's enough. I could go on all day. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, um, yeah, so if there's extra noise in the background, we apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took all the bells off the cats long ago. They've been naked for years. <laughs> they formed their own nudist colony. <laughs> the nudist colony is growing. We'll soon be out and we're outnumbered. Oh, God, we're outnumbered. <laughs> I will never be forced to join. <laughs> Only on Tuesdays. <laughs> Good thing today it's not a Tuesday. <laughs> oh, man, I hope your story's about a nudist colony. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, Something slightly more terrifying. I guess it depends on how you feel about nudist colonies. <laughs> it depends on what, I, on what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll let you, at the end of the episode, we can decide if the story will... Uh, keep you up at night. You'll still be able to sleep as snug as a rug in a bug. As snug and... as a bug in a rug. <laughs> Not as snug as a rug in a bug. She swallowed the spider to capture the fly. <laughs> you don't even know, don't know the name of our podcast. I don't know why she swallowed the rug. Perhaps to eat the bug. <laughs> oh my goodness. By the end of this... I will be able to tell if your story or nudist colonies are scarier. Or if I'll still be able to sleep as snug as bug and rug. I like it better the other way. <laughs> Vote for change. <laughs> My 2020 campaign is to change the name of the podcast to Rug and a Bug. Snug as a rug and a bug is what you said. Rug as a snug and a bug. I like that better. Rug as a snug and a bug. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, I thought I would, you know, hail back to the olden days of our early episodes. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like <laughs> early days of what? Well, France. Early days we... of 2020. Early days of our lives. Uh, I would like... Ancient Rome. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. I bet they were into nudist colonies. Yeah. Weren't the, like, original Olympics nude games nude? Olympic games, quote-unquote. Well, how are you going to get clothing that fits the entire games? <laughs> and every game, you need a different outfit. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> cut, anyway. Cut, Brent. <laughs> the game moving on. 
no, I want to harken back first to the early days of our podcast and then to 1700s France. Okay. But. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just like completely lost all words in my brain for a second. No, I'm gonna start this how I did long ago with a poem. Yes, we get a poem. Is it about spiders? No. Is it about nudist colonies? No. <laughs> and listen, I think this. I'm gonna tell you the story behind this poem. Hickory dickory dog. <laughs> nope. So this poem is a little uh, choppy. I was trying to research my topic and I clicked on a link that I thought would take me to more information about the topic and instead it took me to a page with a poem okay and only a poem and the poem was in French and so I translated it from French and I think that what it tried to do was translate the first two lines into English and then translate the last line into Spanish Okay. Even though I clicked, please translate this to English. Sure, sure, sure. So then he had to do Spanish to English. <laughs> yes. No, that's exactly what <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah, I got so, you. So, a poem. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called either. That's the <laughs> other thing. <laughs> it looks like you've lost your way. Be careful. The beast is on the prowl. So get back in the path before I bite you raw. It would seem that you've lost your way. Watch out. The beast is on the loose. Go back the way you came before I sink my teeth into you. And now the Spanish to English line. It looks like you're lost. Attention. The beast is on the loose. So get back on the road before it eats you raw. I like it. Attention. Attention. I thought. It hits home at the end. It's like you're not listening. Attention. Why aren't you paying attention? I liked it better this way. So I left it. Okay. I don't like it. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You can join the nudist colony. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Come to suck your blood. (laughs) Is this story about a wolf creature? Yeah. Okay. How'd you know that? It sounded very familiar. I've heard a story. But not too familiar. But not too familiar. (laughs) I've heard a story on a different podcast where it it just sounded familiar because when it was like don't go off the trail don't go off the path Mm, but not too familiar so what is the story about today's story is about the beast of javeldon 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 okay i looked up how to pronounce it javeldon javeldon g-e-v-a-u-d-a-n okay is that a city in france yes okay and uh, i'm just assuming today's story is brought to you by our friend ben and oh. his lovely wife, Laura. Sure. Because they always give me... Suggestions. Good suggestions. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to dive into Javaudan. Javaudan is a region in southern France. Today, this area is uh, modern-day Lozier, L-O-Z-E-R-E. Okay. They are like, what are the little dashes and things called? Hyphens? No, 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 no. Like oh. the slashies on the top of letters. Oh, uh, accent I don't know. marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's little accent marks on some of these things, and I didn't put them into my notes, so I know what? I'm not pronouncing everything correctly. But Lazier is. The I don't region. even know what some of those accent marks mean. So even when they're there, 
it's a lost cause. <laughs> it wouldn't have helped because you're not reading it. Anymore. So, anyway, it used to be Javadon. Now it's Lizier. Okay. Or near Lizier. Yeah. I don't know French. Sure. I almost said anatomy. Geography. Geography <laughs> is the correct word. If France was a person, <laughs> I, w- I would not know where it's Lizier was. <laughs> I'd probably be better at figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, its name, the name Javadon originates from the Jabali, G-A-B-A-L-I, which was a tribe, a Gaelic tribe, that I believe was in this area. Sure. Okay, but that's what the sources say. That's where the name came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So the area was rather mysterious at the time that our story takes place. J-J-A-Y, middle initial M, Smith, is a historian and the author of a book called Monsters of the Javaldan, The Making of a Beast, and he wrote... It had the reputation, it being jumbled on. Right, right, right. Had the reputation for being a remote, isolated backwater where the forces of nature had not been full tamed, where the forests were indeed enchanted. It's fascinating. It's powerful. It's scary. It's sublime. I want that written on my tombstone. Wow. It's scary. <laughs> Just, it's not she's. It's fascinating. It's, it's powerful. <laughs> it's scary. It's, it's sublime. sublime. Wow. It sounds like a very mystical place yeah i think it was very it sounds like the shire no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i think that it was really i don't want to say unknown yeah but like the villagers here were you know very of the land but then there was very wild animals sure it's not like they had a very domesticated hadn't domesticated the land basically like they had cattle and sheep right but it's very rural area Mm -hmm. not a big city right and i think not much travel probably comes through it to the people of the big city this was just like like what he said it's a backwater town which is like a backwoods yeah another town and you have to go out two dirt roads to get there and there's chickens crossing the road all over right exactly and cattle and sheep whatever sure so in this area um, you know, there's a lot of villagers who are just living off the land. Like I said, they have cattle, they have sheep. They're not open fields either. They like mm. herd these creatures through the trees. Sure. So it's it's just a common thing. Yeah. You know, women and children, they herd their own sheep through. Mm-hmm. Very independent good society. That's how it should be. <laughs> um, as part of France, Javaldon was also under the rule of Louis the fifteenth. Okay. Who also went by Louis the Beloved. Sure. Which I think is strange. You'll kind of pick that up in here in a minute. So Louis the Fifteenth succeeded his great grandfather Louis the Fourteenth at the age of five years old. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sitting on the throne in little pull-ups. Yeah, I, he should be potty trained by the age of five. And also, I don't think pull-ups were invented in the 1700s. I don't know anything about children. Never ask me to babysit. Thank you. <laughs> so, um. I should say Louis the Fifteenth ruled this area during the time our story takes place. Yeah. I don't know if I was clear about that. Yeah. Okay. So not just in general, this is his land and will always be. He's eternal. <laughs> he rules it forever. Forever. <laughs> uh, so uh, his rule started at the age of five, although he wasn't technically in charge. Sure. And he ruled from 1715 to 1774, which was 59 years, and made him the second longest ruling king in france's history okay now his great-grandfather from whom he 
seat took the throne. He took it. He took it. Took it non-violently. There was no murder involved. Yes, thank you. Unless that's what our story is about. No, 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 no. Or is it? (laughs) So uh, Louis the Fifteenth took the throne from his great grandfather, who actually holds the record or held Mm. the record at the time for longest consecutive rule from 1643 to 1715, which made it 72 years. Wow. 17 two years. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, that's probably why he's like, I don't care if he's five, give him the throne. <laughs> he might have died, he I don't know. He probably died, right? <laughs> okay. if, you're, if you rule for 72 years, you might as well just keep going, right? Like, <laughs> until you die, like, you might as well. I still got a couple years left to live. <laughs> got a couple years left. Travel. Unless the five-year-old murdered him. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so... Historians, when they look at the rule of Henry the Fifteenth, they usually give his rule low marks. Those were the critics. <laughs> the critics, they didn't like it <laughs> due to uh, corruption and also the many wars that happened during this time that drained the treasury and basically set the stage for the French Revolution that happened in 1789. I'm surprised that his nickname was Henry the Beloved then. Because, you, right, you would think he did good yeah, things, but it sounds like it he weird. did terrible things. Yeah, that's why I said it was weird, because he just, I don't, nobody seemed to have thought he did well as a ruler looking back. Yeah. and I if, mean, he was five when he inherited it. Who knows? Maybe he drained all the treasure. Maybe they were like, oh, you're five, what do you want? And he's like, buy me all this stuff, and then horse. that's what tra- drained the treasury. Maybe. I think he probably drained it on wars. Why is he getting in so many fights? Dang. Um, I don't know how much of it was his fault or not. I know they said there was a lot of corruption in his, like, inner circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, when he ended his rule, his grandson, Henry the Sixteenth succeeded him and was then executed via guillotine during the French Revolution. <laughs> so he basically set his grandson up to Let's see. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Also... I don't think I would want a family where everybody is named Henry. Louis, 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 rolling everywhere. What do you mean where everyone's named Henry? They're all named Louis. You've definitely said Henry. When did I say Henry? <laughs> oh my god, who was Henry? <laughs> did I? Yeah. Unless I just said it and confused myself. I think you said it. Okay. Everybody's been named Louis. So if we've said Henry at any point, just blank that out in your mind and replace it with Louis. Done. He does have a grandson eventually named Louis the... Maybe 18th. And then Charles the something <laughs> that rule, but it's like after Napoleon, it's right, a whole right, big mess. Right. Everybody's like, maybe we, nobody really liked the Louis. So bring in a Charles. Should... <laughs> bring in a Charles. <laughs> but... Charles? She doesn't even go here. All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're focusing on the time of the rule of Henry the 15th. You just said Henry. Jesus. <laughs> Why? I'm reading Louis. I'm reading it. It's right here. Okay, 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 okay. I'm picturing, 
I think Louis the Fifteenth looked exactly like the dad <laughs> from What a Girl Wants, and his name was Henry. And I think no, that's the problem. You can't put that on the dad from What a Girl Wants. No, he was a great family man. But the thing is, Louis the Fifteenth also had a daughter who lived in the United States. That's <laughs> not true. So true. Okay, so Louis the Fifteenth is ruling. Louis the Fifteenth, aka Louis the Beloved, although he was a AKA terrible ruler, <laughs> was ruling during the time that our story takes place, which is the seventeen sixties. Okay. Okay. Sure. We're all clear. We're talking about a Louis <laughs> and seventeen sixties. Yeah. So particularly seventeen sixty four. Okay. Which is immediately following the Seven Years' War, Oof. which I'm assuming was seven years long. Not a good look, probably. France France never does good in war. France never really does good in war. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beast. <laughs> it's the beast. He came out early. It's not your time. <laughs> okay, anyway, continue. France was recovering from this war. They don't really do great in wars. This was no exception. Sure. Uh... So, the war ended in 1763. Yeah. France had suffered many defeats to Britain and Prussia, and Louis XV basically lost all of his overseas empire, including yeah. Canada, during this war. Oh, he ruled... They had all of Canada? Yes. Oh, Canada. Dang. I did not know that. Yeah. Britain had, like, the United States area, and France had Canada. When we talk about history, I picture nothing in my mind, so I have no idea. Which, honestly, I don't know how that works, because isn't the Queen in charge of Canada, technically? Yeah, but Great Britain eventually ruled over, like, everybody, right? You just said There's that French, French Canada, lost French the... Canada, though. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they lost their land that they had in Canada. Okay. We're not smart about social studies, Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come at me. Come at me. Anyway, so the country of France was struggling with a horrible economic situation. They had just lost everything. A bunch of land, a yeah. bunch of people, probably. A bunch of money. And um, bunch in 1764, they're just now trying to recover from that, and a new foe emerges. Ooh. F O E or F O P H O? No, <laughs> F A U X. <laughs> yes, an imposter. A new. This is where Henry comes in and steals the throne. <laughs> We're gonna rewrite history. Where's Wishbone when you need him? Darn it! Wait, did Wishbone didn't do real history? I think he did like. I don't Shakespearean play. Yeah, probably. Although he did Rumpelstiltskin at one point, I'm pretty sure. Oh God, I don't remember. If at me, if you know who Wishbone is. <laughs> Okay, 1764. We're in the town of Javaldon. Javaldon. Which I think is kind of like a region, kind of like a town. Sure. Anyway, so uh, this new enemy emerges in France. Okay. The first attack occurred near the village of Les Hubox, H U B A C S. Okay. Which is near Langogne. Langogne? Sure. L A N G O G N E. Uh, so, 14-year-old Jane Boulet, B-O-U-L-E-T, was killed while tending to her sheep. Dang, we just went zero to a hundred real quick, huh? So did the beast. <laughs> Count on the table, 50 points. <laughs> so, yeah, she was just, like, a young girl who was out tending to her sheep. 
Yeah. In or near the woods. Sure. By this town, this small village, which was also near the woods. Did any of her sheep get uh, eaten? I don't know. Hmm. Attacks okay. are vague. This was the 1700s. I don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So, a oh, quillen pen had to have been invented by now, though. I don't know. <laughs> so, someone must have seen what happened. Oh, because gosh. Okay. there was reports that the attacker was a beast with red-black fur, ferocious teeth, and horrible claws. But a lot of people compared it to a really, really big wolf. Okay. Throughout the rest of 1764, there are many, many more attacks in this area sure. of Javodon. Uh So the beasts seemed to be preying on women and children who were off by themselves tending to livestock, hmm. which is very popular in the area. Yeah. Uh, but all in and around the forested areas of Javodon. Mm-hmm. These reports usually stated that the victims had their heads gnawed off or their throats torn out. Oh, no. Yeah, so it was vicious. It wasn't like kill for to eat yeah it was just like i'm gonna murder you it was just like kill to kill yeah is what it seems like to me just brutal brutal. yeah yeah yeah. by december of 1764 there were rumors that more than one beast must have been responsible for the attacks Mm -hmm. because there was such a short time between attacks or there was multiple attacks that were said to be happening simultaneously right 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 simultaneously So, some people even said that they might have been a parent and um, younger ones, uh, and that there were wolves. multiple seen at each attack. Okay. I mean, wolves hunt in packs, so that right. would make more sense in my mind if it's a wolf beast. Yeah. I mean, it would, it was weird because it went from, oh, there was one wolf that attacked this girl, too. Yeah. Oh, there There's got to be more than one because everybody's getting attacked, too. Right. Oh, no, I saw th- three of them. Yeah. So the story kind of changed. Part of it could have been a little bit of mass hysteria, but there yeah. were literal bodies piling yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some, something is murdering or killing people. Right. Louis XV had been very, very carefully censoring political news because okay. he was basically failing at everything yeah, he was doing. Yeah. So the enemy probably would have gone largely unnoticed nationally okay. if it wasn't for the fact that he was like covering up everything else that was happening that was entertaining. Sure. So the newspapers picked up this story. Okay. And spread it to basically a national level in France. Okay, okay. They basically just said, we need something entertaining. Oh, look at what's happening in these small villages. Yeah. So Francois Mornes, which was, who was the creator and editor of the Courier d'Avignon, used a new type of reporting called Fates Divers, which were stories of everyday incidents in small villages, okay. to kind of boost his papers. Sure. Notoriety. Yeah. Um, and he picked up on this story and kind of spun it so that it would become more popular and yeah. he'd sell more papers. It's like true crime stories that we watch today. Or like, it's like cops. Exactly. So they, they say, exactly, it is today's true crime yeah. were called fate divers. Right, because, I mean, that's what people, I mean, if you're not, you're, you can't read about the war and you can't read about Louis the Fifteenth, and you can't read about probably other global issues or issues in other countries because he's probably covering that up as well mm-hmm. so it's what this and advice column probably, <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> and then it's advice about the this, beast. yeah <laughs> so can regard- you seduce the beast <laughs> <laughs> roll to seduce <laughs> so this skyrocketed javodon's issues yeah. to the national stage sure as the number of victims rose local nobles and officials and some from like surrounding areas mm-hmm. were like 
oh, we got to do something. Right. Let's go kill the monster. Yeah. Many of these individuals were military personnel and fighters during the Seven Years' War and were really, like, down in the dumps, some of them embarrassed and ashamed yeah, of things that had so happened. Bad. Right. Jay Smith said there were many signs of masculinity among the lead huntsmen. This made them even more determined to capture the beast who was plaguing their country. Toxic masculinity, masculine. I can't even say it because it's so dumb. <laughs> so awful. <laughs> but basically, is a problem. Yeah, I mean, some of them are like, "Well, we kind of didn't help our country with this, so we need to help with yeah. that." Some of them are like, "I will restore my glory and honor." Yeah. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> so Louis the Fifteenth also caught wind of what was happening, yeah, and offered a reward for killing the beast. And he raised this award until it would have been equivalent to a working man's yearly salary in France. Where's he getting this money, though? I thought he, he lost it all. Probably taxes. Ah, <laughs> uh, true. I didn't think about that. Most likely. So, um, a man by the name of Etienne Lafont, L-A-F-O-N-T was a regional government delegate and another man by the name of Captain Jean-Baptiste Duhamel, D-U-H-A-M-E-L, who is a local infantry leader of the Clement Ferrand Dragoons. Oh. <laughs> I like the name of that. So these two guys got together and organized the first offensive attack or hunt. Okay. They were big shots. No, there. no, I get it. I was just, it's just silly to me because I feel like, I mean, I don't know, but I just feel like you can't really walk through the woods and be like, we're going to find a wolf. Like. Oh, no, that's exactly what they thought. Yeah, but, like, wolves, I feel like they're not, like, they're just going to run away from you. It's not like a deer that's going to, like, walk through while you're walking by. You know what I mean? No, they were strong, powerful military men, and they were going to find a wolf. I got it, I got it. And they couldn't wear pink. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Duhamel, in particular, had, quote, a highly sensitive regard for his own honor and some bad experiences in the war and looked at this challenge of defeating the beast as a way to redeem himself. Together with LaFont, they kind of, like, rallied a bunch of people together and got uh, 30,000 volunteers at one point. How? I think there was this many people saying, we will go with you and fight, and they were like, that's ridiculous. Okay. They didn't take 30,000 volunteers, but they had that many at one point. Oh, Okay. So they, I was picturing 30,000 people, like, walking through the woods. Had to get the wolf. <laughs> so they used military models, poisoned bait, and even had some soldiers dress up as peasant women to lure the beast. That's <laughs> the most amazing thing ever. They, like, I, I'm sorry. That took me by surprise. I thought you were going to say, like, they dressed up as sheep or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, wow. No, that reminds me of Pirates of the Caribbean where they make the two guys. Some of the best characters. I forget their names. But, you know, everybody knows exactly who I'm talking about. And they go out on the boat with the umbrella and they're just as women. And they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so they had these guys go out and basically be by themselves in the woods. And they'd all hide behind trees or behind the hill. And because they said... Well, he's coming after women and children, so all we have to do is put a woman out there, and he'll come get them. No. Did it work? No. No, absolutely not. I doubt it worked. <laughs> so through their trial and error, they had a couple reports of what they said the beast looked like. Sure. So LaFont reported, quote, It is much bigger than a wolf. It has a snout somewhat like a calves and very long hair, which would seem to indicate it was a hyena. No. <laughs> <laughs> Someone released, I mean, maybe exotic animals get released 
different places all the time. And my thing would be... Anaconda and Morgantown. That's true. <laughs> and we'll talk about my theories at the end. And the theories of my theories at the end. Okay. But, uh, so, do Hamill describe the beast as, quote, wide as a horse, a body like a leopard's, and fur that is red with a black stripe? He went on to say, you will undoubtedly think, like I do, that this monster hybrid, the father of which is most definitely a lion, the mother is, remains to be seen. Of course, of course the dad has to be a lion. Get out of here. Get out of here, Duhamel. Also, hyenas, like, aren't that big, are they? I mean, wolves are probably small in comparison, but... I don't know how big a hyena is. I don't think hyenas are, like, I should have looked as big as tigers or anything. Uh-huh. Hyenas can be from three to five feet long. Yeah. This is a hyena is as big as a Great Dane. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know. I don't believe Google. Well, wolves aren't. Depending on what type of wolf it is, they're not. They, they might not be that big. This area was known to have a lot of gray wolves. Okay. So I, they're small. Yeah. Anyway. We digress. <laughs> Duhamel also insisted, insisted that the local farmers and herders hindered his efforts and caused him to miss shooting the beast on several occasions. Oh, this dude sounds like a huge asshole. There's a lot of times, yes, absolutely. He's that close that the farmers are in his way, mm-hmm. and the farmers aren't running for their life. Get out of here, boy. Get out of here. Get out of here. He's making up excuses now. You know what I hear? The excuse train coming to town. It's really interesting to look at different resources, because some of them, it's like, it definitely paints him and LaFont as like, stuck up guys who put their nose in the air and were like oh we'll kill the wolf it's no problem yeah and then there's other resources that are like they went out there to try and save these yeah. people and all these people did would be hicks and get in their way yeah it depends it's, on who wrote it it definitely depends on who wrote yeah. it because they said there was not good communication mm-hmm. and that the local people were just like well also they probably went out there at some point and were like oh we'll slay this beast but like didn't really tell anybody they were there and so I'm sure the local farmers got in their way, but maybe sometimes not on purpose. They just didn't know. No, I don't think so. But more on that later. Ooh. So the press began writing and publishing popular stories about the women and children who survived these attacks by defending themselves. And it started to really emphasize the virtue of being a peasant. And it made the noblemen even more frustrated because they're like, they're just peasants. We should be able to kill this thing. Yeah, and the peasant woman's like, yeah, but I took my frying pan out there and thwacked it on the head. Thwacked. <laughs> so on January 12th, 1765, Jacques Portifax and seven companions were in a meadow with a herd of cattle when they were attacked by a beast. Now, they were, like, kids. Okay. I don't okay. know Okay, okay. Not, like, people hunting the beast. No, no, no. These okay. were, like, kids, and they were out with their cattle. Sure. So they managed to group together when they were attacked and um, drive it away by using their pikes. It seems like everybody has pikes when they're out with cattle in this area. Well, in general, shepherds are there to herd the sheep but also protect them. So you're going to have something. Yeah. So news of this encounter reached King Louis XV, who was impressed with their courage. He awarded 300 livres, L-I-V-R-E-S, it's their currency at the time, to Portifex and another 350 to be shared among his friends. I think he was kind of like... The main 
The he's their captain. I get it. He was the captain. I look at me. <laughs> I'm he's the, the He's the captain now. He's the captain now. Uh, Livra, I tried to look at what they were equivalent to. Yeah. It looks like one was equivalent to one pound of silver, which seems outrageous. Okay. And you cannot find an exchange rate for U.S. dollars because these don't exist anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Louis XV also declared that Portifex would be educated by at the government's expense. And he decreed that the French state will now start helping find and kill the beast responsible. Okay. Uh, okay. He's just trying to make himself look better now. Oh, yeah. He wants to be Louis the Beloved. Yeah. So bad. He's like, look what I've done. I'm Louis the Beloved. <laughs> maybe people thought he tried really hard. Yeah. Maybe. Right. So in the early summer of 1765, Mary Jean Vallée was tending to some cattle out by the woods. She was crossing between branches of a river through a small wooded section of Miracor Forest, and she noticed that a beast was approaching behind her. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, I know, right? Just snuck up behind her. So the bulls in her herd actually charged at the beast and kept it away from her at first. It lunged a second time, and she also had a pike, which she plunged like a spear into its chest. The creature was injured, but not dead. It raised its paw up to kind of, like, touch where the injured spot was, cried loudly, and then rolled away into the water of the river. So she saw it, like, float by in the river. Uh, She was dubbed the Maiden of Javoudan and has a statue today standing in her honor at the village of Arvoir in southern France. No way. Yeah. We gotta visit that. Put that on the list. It's really cool. It's like her, like, leaning. (gasps) That's so badass. There's also a painting of this. Yeah. Um, titties out. What? Titties out. It looks like she's laid in bed. Her shirt's ripped. This is about a nudist colony, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Now it is. Her boobs are out. She's just got this pike. And the, the wolf's just, like, chilling. Hell yeah. And just, like, I didn't think that's what... I thought maybe her shirt was white. Like, maybe it's supposed to be, like, it, it, like, ripped her shirt. Who maybe. painted it? Probably a pervert. Probably a pervert. He could have just done one. He put them both, but they're both out. I mean, he didn't have to put any out. <laughs> <laughs> no, he... Hey, you know what? He didn't. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Once again, we digress. <laughs> Explicit tag on iTunes. Titties out. out. Anyway, just like the cats. Yeah. So, although many women and children had success fending off the beast or beasts and escaping, not all of them, a lot of people died. Yeah. But the hunters were clearly less successful. Yeah. Okay, because that's what I'm, that goes back to what I said before. It's one thing if you're just standing in a field and you're the prey. If you are actively hunting something like a wolf, it's going to smell you. It's going to run away. It's going to hide. Unless you attack it first, you see it and you attack it first, it's not going to spring up on a group of 20 men trudging through the woods. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I agree. Just saying. It was clearly waiting until people were alone. Well, yeah, and even the lonely, you can say, well, they dressed up as a woman. Well, yeah, but if there's people hiding around trees and stuff, like, it animals can smell, can smell you, you or yeah. see you. Like, they're not dumb. So, like, that's where their issue comes in. Yeah. So, uh, during this time, more witnesses are coming forward and giving testimony to what they thought said the beast looked like and kind of added to this supernatural aura surrounding it. Sure. Jay Smith, the historian that we keep referring back to, yeah. uh, summarized some of these accounts by saying, quote, it could walk on its hind feet and its hide could repel bullets and it had fire in its eyes and it came back from the dead more than once and had amazing leaping ability. Dang. It's a, it's a 
It's a demon hound. Maybe. Hellhound. Hellhound. It's a good theory. Interesting. Okay. Or multiple. Well, know. if there's multiple, then that probably went into the stories of like, I swear I hit it, and it like could have died, but there's yeah. not another one. So, in February of 1765, okay. the D-N-Vals, lowercase d, apostrophe, E-N-N-E-V-A-L-S, okay. who were a father and son hunter duo from Normandy, France, announced that they would travel to Javodon to eliminate the creature. The father, Jean Charles, he has like six names, but I shortened it to John Charles. Sure bragged that he was responsible for killing a thousand two hundred wolves already yeah but like that's not cool at this time it was uh, it was yeah it was cool it was the cool thing to do i mean i get if it's like they're getting out of hand but oh they were I'll, I'll get that. Okay, I was like, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, he was confident that he would have no trouble with this wolf. The father-son duo brought along eight bloodhounds trained for wolf hunting. Oh, yes. Because John Charles butted heads with Duhamel, the guy who was hunting earlier, yeah. the king ordered the original party of Duhamel and Lafont <laughs> to return home. <laughs> the de Invels believed that... This was best that they go home because this beast was likely a Eurasian wolf who could only be hunted and shot using stealthy techniques. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. You can't take a group of ten people out there to, like, hunt. No, no, no. Two people, eight bloodhounds. No, I know. I'm saying I agree with them. Yeah. Yeah. In that regard. So, Louis XV eventually had to send his own gun bearer slash bodyguard because the uh, father-son duo gave up. Aw, after how long? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't even say. It's just yeah. like, they're like, nah, 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 nah. They're like, we're done here. So Francois Antoine, along with his son and a detail of men, were sent by King Louis XV. Okay. Like, he was like, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah. You're going. Sure. So they actually had some trouble with that. He could track a falcon on a cloudy day. He, he can, can track find you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It just comes out of me, I don't know. <laughs> it just it just leaps from me. They mm-hmm. had trouble uh, with the unfamiliar landscape mm-hmm. and were not able to communicate with the locals again, just like everybody else. Yeah. They're having trouble. Um, a local farmer named Jean Castel, Chastel, C-H-A-S-T-E-L, mm-hmm. had assisted the hunting party of theirs, but was thrown in prison by Antoine for leading his men into a bog. I, okay. <laughs> he got mad and threw him in jail. <laughs> you have bloodhounds, and you're mad at this farmer because he led you into a bog? This is a shit show. <laughs> sure. This is yeah. a shit show if I've ever heard of one. <sighs> Now, in September 1765, Antoine was able to shoot and kill a large gray wolf that they said measured 5 feet 7 inches tall. Oh. Not long. Wait, I went back wait, and re- standing on hind legs? No. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's why I was like, what are you talking about? Because I went back and looked and looked because I thought they meant long. They yeah. mean, like, tall. And it weighed 130 pounds, which would be 60 kilograms. Dang. Now, most gray wolves That's are... me. That's me size. Yeah. Height and weight. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> most gray wolves are about 2.2 to 2.7 feet tall. 
and weigh about 86 pounds. So this is like double. Yeah. At, like over double. Someone's giving these wolves steroids. Maybe. The wolf that they killed was named Le, Le Loup de Chazes. C H A Z E S. Le Loup de Chazes. Sure. After the nearby Abbey de Chazes. I think it was just an Abbey nearby. Sure, 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 sure. Unless Abbey is a place or a person. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> All good, all good. <laughs> they had the body sent to the court at Versalis, and his son went ahead with the body and was basically hailed as a hero, and there's a big celebration for him. Sure. Antoine said, We declare by the present report signed from our hand, we never saw a big wolf that could be compared to this one. Hence, we believe this one to be the fearsome beast that caused so much damage. Okay. The wolf was also identified by attack survivors who recognized scars on it, as where mm. they had, like, attacked and wounded it. Okay. Like, it matched yeah, up Yeah, yeah, them. sure. So there was some validity to this. Absolutely. Uh, so like I said, Antoine's son went ahead to Versailles. 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 Versailles, isn't it? <laughs> Got it in seven. <laughs> His father stayed behind to hunt what he said was a female mate and two pups. Now, I found this on the wikipedia page and i did not find it on one of my other sources okay. so honestly i don't know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but this says uh, this one source said uh he believed that the mate and two pups were still in the area well it makes sense if people are seeing multiple wolves right so he was eventually able to kill the female wolf and mm -hmm. one pup who had reportedly already surpassed its mother in size so it was already bigger than Mama. Did the other pup grow up and exact revenge in the name of its family? I don't know. Okay. Well, you don't know yet. <laughs> so the other pup Ooh. was shot and believed to have died while running through some rocks away. Mm -mm. Um, Antoine had his doubts, but he could not. He, and he could not find the body, and he said, "Well, it survived being shot, stabbed, killed on other occasions. Yeah. So we don't have proof, right?" But when he couldn't find the body, he returned to Paris, where he was awarded 9,000 leave titles and awards by the king. I mean, he was the only one that killed something, so... Yeah, and he supposedly killed, what, at least three, three. out of four. Yeah. So, he's gone. Yeah. And everyone's like, cool, yay, Wolves you are did gone. it. Hell yeah. Until right. two months later. Oh! So, two months later, uh, two young boys were attacked by a similar creature... The oldest boy, who was 12 years old, was able to prevent the younger, who was six, from being captured by the beast. Oh, dang. After this, 12 more killings were reported near La Bazir St. Mary over the next 18 months. Okay. Okay. Uh, Javadon was just plagued with these killings yet again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like, are you kidding? We thought that you yeah. took care of this. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. going to come across. <laughs> She's playing with a little bell. Jingle jangles in the background. <laughs> So, um, at the Le Bazir St. Mary, there mm -hmm. was 12, plus yeah. the two attacks on the boys, and then the surrounding area, there it was more. a total of 35. Okay. Almost. Sure. So, locals began to realize that they would need to take matters into their own hands because they sent word to Louis the Fifteenth, and he said, I killed the beast that was doing that. Okay. I'm not sending anyone else. <laughs> so, the locals said, you know what? We can handle this. We know the land better. We actually communicate with one another. Mm -hmm. We got it. Sure. So Jean Castel, Chastel, the farmer who Antoine had thrown into prison, made his way to the slopes of Mount Machette. Oh, he got out. 
Uh, yeah, I think when that guy left, they were like, well, okay, no. we'll let you <laughs> yeah. Just don't tell him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, made his way to the slopes of Mont Mochette, M O N T space M O U C H E T. Okay. This is now called La Song des Avoirs. Why is everything cha- name changed? Probably because it's New Kings. Yeah. And they were just like, mm, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to rename it La. <laughs> okay. That I've makes got sense. The power. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, Jean Chastel went with a hunting party organized by a nobleman that was kind of local named Marquis de Apchir. A D apostrophe A P C H I E R. Sure. Apchir, I like his name, if that's how you say it. So, Chastel had created an ammunition himself that he believed would be able to kill the beast. It contained a large caliber bullet with buckshot. It was made from a silver that he had melted down from a religious amulet. Okay. So you took this amulet, melted it down. Made These bullets. werewolves coming in, huh? Super were- Superstitions about werewolves? Well, they thought it was the only thing that could kill it. Yeah. I don't know where they got that idea, but that's what they decided. No, that, that's what I'm saying. The origins of, like, now that we think that silver kills werewolves, this is probably one of the reasons why. Yes. I agree. Yeah. No, no you're probably right. Uh, you are right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so, um, this was his theory. He thought, if I use this ammunition, I got it. Right. <laughs> so, he had a chance to test this theory out on June 19th of 1767. They reached an area that he believed to be a good location. He sat down, opened a Bible, and waited for the beast to approach since he seemed like easy prey. Out of the shadows, the creature came towards him. He took his aim and killed the beast. Now this is, listen, one of the resources says, he made this ammunition and then he killed it. Right. The other source says this big, beautiful story about how he walked down, opened his Bible. Uh, so he was able to kill the beast. The bullet collided with it and brought it down swiftly and successfully. The body was sent to the castle of Marquis de... Apchir, sure. which is the guy who organized the party, and it was stuffed by Dr. Bolanger, who was a surgeon at... He was a surgeon. Yeah. The animal's stomach was checked. Yeah. Like cut open. Sharks. And um, reported to contain the remains of the last suspected victim. Okay. So they were like, this is proof. Right, 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 right. Or, right, like, right, maybe right. it was just remains of a person, and they were like, yeah. this has to be it. Yeah. It's probably more worse. I mean, either way... The wolf's killing people, so... Oh, yeah, I didn't know. So, the doctor's post-mortem report was transcribed by a notary named Marin, M-A-R-I-N, and this report is known as the Marin Report. Which is report by Marin. Sure, sure. (laughs) The report describes the creature as a wolf with unusually large proportions. It says, quote, This animal which seemed to us to be a wolf, but extraordinary, and very different by its figure and proportions, of the wolves that we see in this country. This is what we have certified by more than 300 people from all around who came to see him. So they stuffed it, and they left it in this guy's castle. <laughs> Just FYI. Where is it now? <laughs> he took it with him to the grave. They buried him with it. Buried him. I want to be buried with my wolf. <laughs> Supposedly, the attacks on Javadon stopped after this. Okay. Overall, the creature was said to have killed varying numbers of villagers, depending on where you look. Sure. 
1987 study that looked back at reports said that there were, were 210 attacks resulting in 113 deaths and 49 injuries. Of those killed, 90 victims were partially eaten. Hmm. Another source says that the number of deaths was between 60 and 100. Yeah. So not terribly far off. No, no, no. Up there. More than you'd want. More than, hey, more than you'd want. <laughs> more than you'd want. She's really going after that <laughs> bell, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine. So during this period, um, there were a lot of wolf attacks during this period <laughs> yeah in france there were a lot of wolf attacks during this time yeah so uh there are estimates that there was as many as nine thousand fatalities across the country between the end of the 16th century and the beginning of the 19th just from wolves just from wolves now wow. that's what three thousand years no wait 16 to 17 17 18 18 19 that's three thousand years 300 years yeah oh boy but nine thousand hold on let's do some math really quick right over 300 years that's yeah. 3,000 deaths a year. That's not right. 30 deaths a year? That's still a lot. That's still a lot. Hey, that's still more than you want. You're you're right. It is. <laughs> I'd like to keep it somewhere between zero and five. <laughs> <laughs> now, in particular, Javonon, the deaths here are more memorable, people say, because of the amount of violence Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're getting their throats ripped out and stuff. Right. And the ratio of attacks to killings mm-hmm. was higher than in other surrounding places. Yeah. And well, and also during this time, probably because the newspapers, right? Exactly. That's the final component, is, yeah. is that the newspapers were basically like... It's all they had to write about. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a couple theories on what the Beast of Javodon was. Man dressed as wolf. That's not one of them. Huh. Aliens? No. Okay. I'm missing the mark here. Uh, I think this is... This is... There was one wolf. Theories of the time. Okay. Theories of the time. Sure. So, uh, wolf or wolves, uh, because it was so common in the area for there to be wolf attacks, maybe just a wolf or some wolves. Right, just that got super big. Yeah. I mean, one place says that in the spring of 1765, which is during this happening, Mm -hmm. uh, there were unrelated attacks northeast of Paris that resulted in at least four people being killed by one wolf in two days' time. Okay. So, like, one wolf was able to take out four people in two days. Yeah. So why wouldn't they be able to take out... I don't even know who that was. <laughs> so, like, it's a it's reasonable to I don't know if reasonable is the right word, but it, it, he could they could have done it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another thought is that it was some kind of wolf hybrid hybrid. Sure. So, um, some with pe- the father of a lion. Well, that's hang on wolf dog hybrid. <laughs> Let me start with wolf dog hybrid. <laughs> sure. So it could have been a wolf mixed with a. Bas Rouge or a Buceron, B-A-U-C-E-R-O-N, okay. which is like a big dog breed, and it has two dew claws, I believe, okay. on each paw. Sure. And these were said to have that. Oh, okay. So some people reported two dew claws must be mixed with this guy. Sure, makes sense. Okay. Uh, they're big dogs. What is it? How do you spell it again? Uh, B-E-A-U-C-E-R-O-N. Ooh, okay. Can okay. Again? Kind of look like... Rottweilers in a way. Yeah. But not a Rottweiler. But not. A little beefier than a Rottweiler. Right. 
almost like a German Shepherd. Colorings of a Rottweiler, more of like a German Shepherd Build. look to it. Yeah. Buceron are herding breeds that originated from the plains of central France. So they were in that area. So that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Sorry. Go no, ahead. That's okay. So another theory is that um, was one put forth by Michael Louis, Michelle Louise, M I C H E L L O U I S, Louis. Michelle Louis? Louis. It doesn't matter. This guy was a French natural, naturalist in 2001. Cool. Who said, looking back, I, he believed that the red-colored mastiff pet of Jean Chastel, who was the farmer who shot the last beast, yeah, could have been the parent of oh. one of the beasts. Because this mastiff, but it was a dog, a type of mastiffs are big dogs. Yeah. Yes. So uh, once again, it's a dog hybrid. Hybrid, just a different dog. Okay, right. sure. So he further suggested that the farmer armored the creature with a boar hide to allow resistance to bullets, which caused it to have red coloring of the massif and then a black, the black boar hide would cause the black stripe. Wait, so he thinks that this guy did it on purpose? Yes, he thinks that he bred the dog or accidentally bred the dog and then trained it to attack people so that he could draw attention away from himself and the crimes he committed and also play the hero. Oh my god, what crimes did he commit? Did he murder people too? I mean, he led people to a bog. <laughs> oh, That was shoot. after, though. Oh my god. I'm, in t- I'm into this theory. I don't know what he did before that, though. No, like, nobody says. Yeah, but nobody knows now because all that was written in the newspaper that was investigated were the wolves. <gasps> Good for him. Good for him. So, uh, the other theories... Maybe he was, like, trying to mix them together for the good qualities, and it was, like, sugar, spice, everything nice. But he accidentally added an extra ingredient. Children eating. Chemical, yeah. Chemical X. <laughs> uh, so another theory is that it was a hyena. Nobody likes that Nobody theory. Nobody likes that theory. <laughs> the other person who thought that, I think, was LaFont. Although, the way the hair know. was described on it, some yeah. people said, maybe... Uh, I thought hyenas had spots, though. I thought you described it more of like a stripe. Anyway, doesn't matter. I don't think it was a hyena. I like the dog theories better. I don't know. A lion or lion hybrid in some theories. Where'd the lion go? (laughs) Duhamel thinks there was a lion. Now, some of these things like hyena and lion, I could see if like, okay, say somebody gets one. And then they lose it. Yeah, no, I get that. And no one there knows what those things look like. But then there's people from the city coming in who yeah. you would think know what they look That's like. That's what I'm saying. That doesn't make sense. And the lion's out here breeding with stuff. Where's the lion? Dead. Uh, the last thing is that it could have been a prehistoric holdover. Now listen, I tried to look up what a holdover was. A priest? Prehistoric. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Velociraptor Pastor movie. I thought you said priest or holdover. Holdover, mm-hmm. but you did not. Nope. Okay. Priest historic. <laughs> I was like, so it was a man dressed as a woman. <laughs> a prehistoric holdover. Now I okay. tried to look up what a holdover is. Okay. I looked up prehistoric holdover. And sure. The first thing that showed up were sturgeons. I'm pretty. Sure those are aquatic things. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. And then the next thing that came up was a type of bear. Okay. I don't know. So I honestly don't know what... And I tried to click on the link. This is what it was. When I clicked on the link, the hyperlink on prehistoric holdover, it took me to the French poem. 
None oh. of it makes sense. Okay, it doesn't sense. make any sense. Right, right, right. I got it. I think Anonymous made this whole thing up. <laughs> it's Banksy. It's Banksy. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter. Some type of animal or priest dressed as a wolf. At this point, who knows? Who knows? So, back to J.M. Smith. He says that the best and most likely explanation is that Javaudan had a serious wolf infestation. Mm -hmm. In other words, there may not have been one single beast of Javaudan, but many large wolves attacking the isolated communities. Yeah. Well, I think also, like, even if a wolf... The the ones they probably killed were probably large, but it might have been different wolves, and depending on who's being attacked... Well, if you got a six-year-old kid being attacked, of course they're going to say it's a giant beast. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So then the next time you see a bigger than average wolf, you're going to be like, oh my God, that's it. It's huge. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So that would make sense too if it was more than one and it's just people still terrible that they're being attacked, but also then being like, no, this is a giant wolf attacking people. The thing that gets me about it is the... The fact that they had one that they killed that was five foot seven. Yeah. Like, yeah. if that's true mm-hmm. and there's records of that, what? Yeah. I think they, I Could think it's either way. Things where they're like, look at this fish I caught and I measured it to be this. Yeah. And it's that's actually... what I was like, was it really though? It's tough. Because, of course, whoever kills it's going to be like, look how big it is. After this, and because of, like, all the wolf attacks that happened in France and Europe in general, the wild wolf was hunted to extinction in France. Some places mm. say near to, to near extinction. It was extinct. Yeah. They officially became extinct in the 1930s, but were slowly reintroduced beginning in 1992. Mm-hmm. Some estimates place their numbers today around 500. Okay. So they are making a comeback. Mm-hmm. In 2018, there were 3,674 wolf attacks that led to the deaths of about 12,500 animals. Now, how were there 4,000 yeah. attacks and Listen, this was from a wolf, French wolf website. Unless they're like, all oh, the wolf attacked uh It could have been a bunch of wolves attacking a pack of sheep. Yeah, or like it attacked a bird's nest and killed four baby birds, and that's four birds. This is mainly sheep. Oh. Oh. My stats. Interesting. I thought were really good. And now, I don't know. I mean, you have a lot of them. We'll have to ask Henry. (laughs) (laughs) So, today, there's a monument to Mr. Chastel, the one who killed the final wolf. Sure. At La Basire St. Mary, which is where... They that was like one of the villages that yeah where he killed it near right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there is also a place called Le Loup du Javaudan Wolf Sanctuary which is at Saint Legier de Pire and it is home to a hundred wolves who are in like a dedicated mm. protected area where they can restore their numbers numbers yeah and also the goal of that place is to restore the reputation of wolves in yeah. France mm-hmm. hey we need to calm down over there. She's still going. Well, that's nice, though, to have that. Yeah. So I think that this story, along with just, like, the 1700s in general, and probably further back, wolves just got a horrible reputation. Yeah, that's what I was saying at the beginning. I I obviously don't want anyone attacked, but I'm an animal person, so I feel sad that their goal was to basically kill every wolf that they saw. Oh, yeah. Even though eventually... 
you can just scare them off. Like, yeah, no, they wanted to eliminate all the wolves. Yeah, and that's sad. So I'm glad that there's they're bringing them back to the area. Yeah, so, I mean, there's been a big effort. If you look at, well, I don't trust that website now, but the website that I looked at, mm-hmm. and I've, I'll post the resource, but it basically shows where there's no wolves and where they've reintroduced wolves mm-hmm. and where there's a lot of numbers. Yeah. Uh, they basically started on the western side of France where they mm-hmm. mostly were. These yeah. are gray wolves. Yeah. And, and they're trying to repopulate the areas and kind of move towards the central sure, part sure, of sure, the Sure, 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 sure. I like it, I like it. All right, well, I think it was... A wolf-dog mixture. I want to believe that that guy bred his dog with the wolf on purpose. Because I think that makes the best story. But it could have just been an accidental. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's likely to be a wolf-dog mix of some kind. Yeah. I hate that this guy was like, oh, it was definitely that guy's mask. Yeah. (laughs) I'm more inclined to believe that it was probably those Busans or whatever they're called. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the Boss Rouge slash Bureau Shern. I don't know how you say it. The French herding dogs. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that look like a Rottweiler, Great German yes. Shepherd. We'll yeah. post pictures. Yeah. 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 We'll post pictures. But With the correct spelling. Yeah. I think it's most likely to be something along those lines. Although there's a movie called Werewolf in London that I wonder if it was inspired by this. Maybe, but this was a different country. Werewolf in Paris? Is there a werewolf in no. Paris? Yeah, but it's, like, a very similar, like, I think he, like, went out in, like, a rural area and was attacked by... People were telling stories at the bar about, or the, mm-hmm. about a wolf attacks lately, and then yeah. he was like, I don't believe him, and walked out there and then got attacked and then became a werewolf. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe it grew in numbers because it started with one, and then there were more werewolves made. Yeah, exactly. And it's called Werewolf in London? Yes. An American werewolf in London. They're like American college students backpacking through Great Britain. Is it's a good movie. Dad and I watched it together, I think. Oh. We're going to have to listen back to this audio and see how much hissing and growling. A lot. In the it's background. fine. It's totally fine. We'll work it out. <laughs> it's like in horror movies where they, they set the mood of just like this creepy sound in the background at all times. Yeah, ours is just the like same. Just feline anger. Yeah. They're fine, by the way. Most of the time, they're not even touching each other. Oh, they're not even close. Ellie's just being She's Ellie. being very vocal. Yeah, that's fine. She's expressing her... That wasn't Ellie, so they're She's fine. She's discussing her disgust with Yeah, us, her mostly. disdain for... <laughs> All right, well, good story. I really liked it. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I think that it it was very interesting and it's hard to piece together yeah. stories from the 1700s. No, I thought you did a good job. I thought it was good. I don't think it's going to keep me up at night just because it happened in France. <laughs> but. I mean, French fries made their way here. True, 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 true. I don't true, think true. they were made in France. <laughs> um, but I am going to lose a little bit of sleep because I want to go see that statue of that girl. Yeah, it's a cool statue. I'll definitely post a picture of that, too. Yes. Yeah. she looks badass. Yeah, we'll post pictures on our social medias. Twitter and Instagram are at BIAR Podcast. Facebook is just bugging a rug. We will post Winnie's resources on the website, bugginarug.podbean.com. And you can email us your suggestions, biarpodcast.gmail.com. Yeah, thanks, Ben and Laura, for the idea. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun story to research, although I know it's a little confusing with all the dates and stuff. I really, 
had a good time looking, yeah. looking it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cracking clues and... We'll definitely post the picture of the painting with her titties out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I'm not blurring them either. <laughs> Comment titties out on our Facebook hashtag, post if you want a sticker. <laughs> hashtag titties out. <laughs> hashtag titties out. Uh, all right, good story. It's a good horrible story. hashtag for us. I bet we'll get some popularity, though. We'll not hashtag. Don't hashtag that. You, like, secretly want me to do it. <laughs> you want me to. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the story. I hope everybody, after listening, will still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. But I guess it's time for us to go calm our cats down. So, signing off. I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. Bye. Sleep tight.